0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbas of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martini's coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We've made it through this week, which is quite an accomplishment. It was one week ago where we said this weekend, meaning last weekend, was going to be very, very rough in Afghanistan. And unfortunately... It was, and it's been ugly in so many different ways ever since. Not only the conditions on the ground, but the administration's response, the Biden speech, so many different things. But uh, we've got three more martinis for you today, all on this subject. And Jim, I got a tweet from a listener yesterday saying, there really aren't any good martinis anymore. I don't know if I'd go that far. But on this story, it's definitely hard to find any good martinis, and so uh, there are none, uh, again, in this edition. But we have three very critical stories to talk about today, starting with this one uh, from The Wall Street Journal. An internal State Department memo last month warned top agency officials of the potential collapse of Kabul soon after the U.S.'s August 31st troop withdrawal deadline in Afghanistan, According to a U.S. official and a person familiar with the document, the classified cable represents the clearest evidence yet that the administration had been warned by its own officials on the ground that the Taliban's advance was imminent and Afghanistan's military may be unable to stop it. The cable sent via the State Department's confidential dissent channel warned of rapid territorial gains by the Taliban and the subsequent collapse of Afghan security forces and offered recommendations on ways to mitigate the crisis and speed up an evacuation, which there doesn't seem to be a ton of evidence of. So, Jim, I don't know if this source is throwing Tony Blinken under the bus over at ABC. They're talking about how Tony Blinken immediately acted on it, thought it agreed with the State Department's own assessment and moved people around, uh, relocated them in Afghanistan. But uh, either way, We've got two different narratives of what's going on here. You got the Pentagon who says they had no idea, and Biden saying it was inevitable. So uh, who's who's looking like they got the most egg on their face here?
1: Well, ultimately, I'm going to say the entire U.S. government, in part because I'm reading this story, and I'm left remembering all of the times we heard about cables being sent from Benghazi, Libya, mm-hmm. warning of a deteriorating. A security situation there, warning about a greater threat to U.S. personnel there and really nothing being done. And the administration response of them being, what difference at this point does it make? As the former secretary of state had famously said, it's a good bookend to that was four or five days ago <laughs> uh, when Biden in his interview there, um, Look, I had, you know, written something five, six weeks ago that the, you know, after Biden's July 8th press conference, he made this nonsensical reference to uh, the Afghan army being the best equipped, arguably plausible, best trained, eh, and most effective fighting force in in the region. And that, you know, the, the Afghan army had already started losing a significant amount of territory. And there already were reports of them abandoning their posts, leaving their weapons, things like that. Um, and so I, I, you know, six weeks ago, I was saying this is not that 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 army he was touting and he said he had complete confidence in keep running away and keep surrendering. What you know, this is this does not line up with this. Uh, if we were seeing this from public news accounts on the other side of the world, it is not surprising that people with the US State Department on the ground in Afghanistan, we're seeing the same things, making the same assessments. It is embarrassing and it points out that 23 embassy staffers, all Americans signed the cable. So this this was a consensus. This was clearly a lot of folks on the ground. Um, you know, they, they're, they're talking to the Afghans, they're there, they can see what's happening. They hear the stories and they could see uh, that this was a firewall that was not going to hold. And while you can argue about, what was land a week, last a week, two weeks, a month, two months. It seems nobody on the ground in Afghanistan expected it to collapse very often, which was the opposite of what the President had said. And uh, uh, just a, a utterly depressing situation, not surprising. Um, you then start wondering, what other embassies, what other uh, places in the United States uh, facilities abroad are saying, We have insufficient security. We are under threat here. The situation is dire. What else is being ignored by this current crew
0: at Foggy Bottom? So maddening. So maddening on so many different levels. And uh, the GAO has let us know how much stuff we've left over there. You talked about how the Afghan army was one of the best equipped. Well, now the Taliban's one of the best equipped. Uh, 600,000 weapons. 75,000 vehicles and 200 aircraft, including some Black Hawk helicopters over there. There's been some talk of the U.S. trying to blow a lot of it up from the sky. I'm not sure how much is all parked in the same location as it was before, but nonetheless, a, a total mess. And so, Jim, you get cables like this, and uh, according to at least one source in the ABC story, Tony Blinken started... Reconfiguring where people are it doesn't say he actually evacuated them. And uh, Brianna Keeler had Kate Bettingfield, the White House communications director, on CNN this morning, and we'll have more of her in just a moment. But the uh, question was, why didn't you evacuate people sooner? I do think it's important, though, to remember because there's been a lot of discussion about whether more of this should have happened before Kabul fell. And the one thing I would I would want your viewers to to take on, Brianna, is Whenever we began a mass evacuation like this, it was going to trigger chaos. It was going to signal that the Afghan government was on its final legs. It was going to bring people rushing into the airport. Well, yeah, but we'd have more people out. So I don't know what the what the, uh, what the argument really is for, for what exactly happened here. Yeah, just it's a recognition
1: you mentioned of all the arms that are over there. Two immediate ramifications. The first are... To the extent there's phone service in Afghanistan, I am sure the Russians and Chinese are on the phone with the Taliban saying, hey, how soon can we take a look at those uh, MH-60 Black Hawk helicopters? How long can we take a look at all the U.S. arms you've gotten so we can, you know, have our engineers analyze them, look at them for weaknesses, all that kind of stuff. Um, And then just beyond that, I think it's safe to say that Afghanistan is going to become the largest arms bazaar for every Radical movement in the world in the coming years. That they, they just now have this giant stockpile of U.S. weapons. This is top of the line stuff. We weren't giving them our, our you know, outdated stuff. We actually were giving them top of the line stuff. In part because we knew this was stuff. You know, this was military equipment that was going to be used. And now it's in the hands of the Taliban. There may be some efforts to try to blow this stuff up, uh, so that they can't use it. it. It'll be a you know, extraordinarily frustrating sight for the U.S. taxpayers to see the U.S. taxpayers money being spent on military equipment that is being used to destroy other us military equipment that was given to the afghanis um, i mean just a just an all around top to bottom disaster and i think the
0: ramifications of this are going to keep coming in for you know years to come yeah it's uh, absolutely mind boggling Absolutely mind-boggling, and China is already playing nice with uh, the Taliban. You know, they're they're planning to have a big footprint there, but it's not going to be militarily. Uh, they're already saying that that the international community uh, needs to uh, be kinder to the Taliban. They obviously have their eyes on some rare earth minerals that are pretty abundant in Afghanistan, and uh, you know, they they got this whole Belt and Road strategy that's got them uh, cozied up to a lot of countries in different strategic parts of the world, and basically has those countries now indebted to them forever, uh, economically. And I'm guessing Afghanistan's going to be the next one on that list. So, well done, everybody. And that's only the first martini. That's only the first martini. And, uh, that's probably enough to have you wanting to pull your hair out, but, uh, For those of you uh, struggling with uh, loss of hair in other ways, there's a great new product, a great new sponsor of the three martini lunch called Nutrafol, because when it comes to thinning hair, you no longer have to choose between natural remedies and those that actually work. There's a drug-free holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness without drugs or prescriptions. Did you know that there are five root causes of thinning hair?
1: Nutrafol is the hair supplement that goes beyond genetics to target stress hormones, nutrition, metabolism, and environmental factors that may be impacting your hair. Nutrafol is clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage without compromise. And 21 potent natural ingredients support sex drive, better sleep, and less stress too. In a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three months and six months. Nutrafol is also trusted
0: and recommended by more than 1,500 top doctors. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code MARTINI to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, and it's spelled N-U-T-R-A. F-O-L dot com. Again, promo code Martini. All right, Jim, let's talk about efforts to get Americans and those Afghans that helped in Afghanistan over the past 20 years not getting uh, ringing endorsements here from the administration or a key Democratic member of Congress. Let's go first to John Garamendi. He's a Democrat from California, and he's the top uh, person. He's the chairman of the House Armed Services Subcommittee on readiness, readiness. And uh, he's asked about, hey, what can we do to get Americans to the airport? We know the airport's secured, and that's a great thing, but it's uh, it's really running a gauntlet to get to the airport. The British are doing it for their people. The French are doing it for their people. Why don't we do it for our people? And Garamendi says, uh-uh, no way. We're going to do the very best we can, and the people in Kabul and in other parts of this country are going to have to do the best they can to get there there is no way that the american military should use military force to go to someone's house or some building somewhere to extract people that will create a very significant problem and a very significant loss of life on both sides we do control the airport we should continue to do that as long as it takes to extract as many people as possible but to Provide safe passage from parts of a huge city. Um, no way. The issue also came up in that aforementioned interview between Brianna Keeler and uh, Kate Bedingfield at the White House today. And Bedingfield was more insistent on all Americans getting out, but she's still sticking to that August 31 deadline for our Afghan friends.
1: What I'm, what it, what you are not saying though, I'm hearing in there that you are prepared to
0: leave people behind we're doing everything we can to get as many people out who want to get out before the august 31st deadline that is the sole focus of the president of the united states and his team right now they're doing everything Operationally, within their capacity to get out. Jim, I used to accidentally call her Natasha Bettingfield because uh, you know the Bettingfield last name. But there's no pocket full of sunshine when it comes to uh, Kate Bettingfield. She's uh, pretty dour. She likes to tell the media what they can and can't cover. At least she did during the campaign. Uh, but this is again on both of, on both of these fronts not encouraging. And I don't understand why they can't have a better message here.
1: All right, look, there's been a lot of speculation that we have some sort of agreement with the, the, the Taliban. Uh, CNN had reported that the U.S. forces on the ground are in regular contact with the Taliban. They didn't really elaborate much on what that kind of contact was. A lot of people speculating that we're paying them uh, or that we've made some sort of agreement. And maybe one of the part of the agreement was we decided in order for them not shell the airport, for them to not uh, shoot into the crowds. Although Actually, they are doing a little bit of that. But in other words, they, as far as we know, so far, as bad as the uh, Taliban conquest of Kabul has been, We don't know of them killing any Americans. Uh, They've been harassing the CNN crews and and things like that. They've been very close. They've been shooting into crowds. They've been whipping crowds. They've been, you know, physically attacking people, but there's not a lot of indications of them seeking out Americans and trying to kill them. And that's how it's conceivable, You, you know, God forbid this turns into a situation that's like the Iranian hostage crisis back in 1979 you kind of wonder if one of our agreements was that our guys aren't going to leave the airport in exchange for them not doing this. And, you know, if they, the sense that there's this tenuous truce between them, Um, if that's the case, you know, it's understand, I guess I can understand the Biden administration wouldn't want anybody to know about it, but it's just this fascinating contrast. Earlier in the week, we talked about House Democrats who were not afraid to really rip into the Biden administration for what they see as a uh, just total fumble with, with enormous consequences here. And here's Garamendi saying, oh, you can't expect people to do that. Ah, oh, it's like unreasonable expectations or something like that. Um, if you wonder why an administration turns in a bad job, why they are not meeting the moment, why they are offering excuses and blame throwing and um, why the arsenal of democracy is looking and sounding, like it has no ability to influence uh, what's going on on the ground there. That is... Uh, I think part of it is the sense that their confidence that Democrats in Congress are not going to turn on them and that Democrats in Congress will be able to excuse any bad performance whatsoever. And watching folks like Garamondi, you can understand why they feel that way.
0: Unbelievable. There's going to be a uh, reckoning of some sort for a lot of people, uh, depending on how this turns out. And even if we do get uh, all the Americans out, that might be uh, trumpeted as a major accomplishment. And obviously, it's going to be a heck of a lot better than all the different alternatives, but the fact that we were putting our citizens in this position is a major stain uh, on our government as well, even if it goes well over the next couple of weeks. So, uh, Jim, I don't know if you heard the fact that uh, one of the reasons Joe Biden keeps going back to Camp David and going to Delaware, he says he can't sleep well at the White House. First of all, right now, he probably shouldn't be sleeping much. Uh, Right now, this should be a round-the-clock operation, and uh, despite his age, he needs to be pretty much uh, on the ball as much as he can be at this point. Uh, That's obviously debatable, given yesterday's conversation. But maybe he just needs better stuff to sleep on, and that includes the Giza Dream Sheets from my pillow. There's nothing better than slipping into bed with soft, comfortable sheets at the end of a long day. Uh, We've talked about how great the MyPillow pillows are. We've talked about the towels a lot lately. And now MyPillow wants you to sleep better with their Giza Dream Sheets. And they are also on sale big time. For a limited time, you'll receive 50% off any Giza Dream Sheets with a
1: price as low as $49.99. Now imagine sliding into the most comfortable sheets you will ever own, guaranteed. They're made from the world's best cotton, which is grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. It's long staple cotton makes these sheets ultra soft and breathable. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes, machine washable, and these sheets come with a 60 day
0: money back guarantee and a one year limited warranty. For a limited time, you can save 50% on all Giza Dream Sheets. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listeners square and use the promo code Martini at checkout or call 800-874-0104 to get the Giza Dream Sheets for as low as $49.99. You'll also find deep discounts on all MyPillow products including the MyPillow mattress topper, the MyPillow towel sets and so much more. Don't miss this sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code Martini or call 800-874-0104 sleep better with mypillow.com all right jim let's get to our crazy martini now and yesterday we were also hearing i believe originally from uh, nat sec daily that americans were being charged $2000 to be evacuated from afghanistan and after a little bit of digging The story is, I guess, PolitiFact would probably say mostly true. The good news is you don't have to dig up two grand while you're in Kabul and also trying to run the gauntlet to get to the airport to hopefully get out of the country alive. But you are on the hook for $2,000 that you can pay later. This is from Politico. It says, even though US officials tell Natsak Daily and others that evacuation flights from Kabul will be free, people trying to catch a plane in the Afghan capital say differently. One person said State Department staff were seeking large payments, up to $2,000 from American passengers and even more from non-US citizens. When we relayed what this person told us to the State Department, a spokesperson did not deny that this is happening quote, U.S. law requires that evacuation assistance to private U.S. citizens or third country nationals be provided on a reimbursable basis to the maximum extent practicable. The situation is extremely fluid, and we are working to overcome obstacles as they arise. Now, Jim, for people who happen to wander into countries that hate us and end up getting arrested and so forth, I can understand why you'd want to charge them for all the logistical legwork to get them out of there. But when your own government's responsible for the fact that their lives are in peril, the two grand seems uh, really, really tone deaf on top of everything else that's happening here. Uh, Well, I think it also
1: is a, a vivid demonstration of how our government is working right now, or maybe how it's not working. I'm going to quote my colleague, Charlie Cook, at length, because he put it really well, and I just can't put it any better than this. Quote, the federal government's enthusiasm for doing the things it's not supposed to be doing is crowding out its ability to manage doing the things it was instituted to do in the first place. Long after the COVID, need for COVID relief has passed, Washington, D.C. persisted in spending billions upon billions. Joe Biden canceled 300,000 student loans this week, and within a few weeks, he's going to ask for another $3.5 trillion in spending. But when a few thousand Americans need evacuating from a disaster zone of the Biden administration's own making, they're asked to open their wallets. It is absurd. And he points out that, you know, uh, Charlie likes to see jokes. He says, I hope the next president will be elected and then disappear until there's a war or a foreign crisis. And he points out that we have a foreign crisis now, and suddenly you can't find the president, which is the exact opposite of how it's supposed to work. Now, I should point out, Biden is supposed to do a press conference today at one. There's no word on whether he's going to uh, answer questions. He also is apparently not going to Wilmington as scheduled tonight. He may be in White House for one more night before going to Wilmington for the weekend. I suppose I should be glad that he's staying at the White House
0: for at least one more day. But uh, yeah, Jim, uh, try to get some rest this weekend and we'll reconvene on Monday. Have a good weekend. Good luck, America. (laughs) Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thank you for being with us today. Please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us. We're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a good weekend. Pray for Afghanistan, the Americans and our Afghan friends that are there. And we'll reconvene on Monday for the next three martini lunch. We are
1: living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at
0: thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right and what's next.